0: You from the City of Roses. This is the broadcast by Last Professionals and for Last Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is part. of our interview with Alona all about how or what you need to know to start your own last brand and if you haven't already you need to go back and listen to two episodes prior and hear that episode where Alona shares the first half of this interview and then you can come back and you can finish it here today it's an amazing interview and Alona is extremely generous for someone who has her own last brand she's telling you how to build a last brand to compete with her Pretty amazing, guys. Not many people would be doing that. So, we want to give her a big shout out and thank you, Delon, for doing that. And we'll be getting into that in just a second. But before, and let me get through three announcements, guys. Lashcon is here. You want to get your tickets today. Basically, prices are going up in about two, maybe three weeks, and we are going to be changing our payment plan soon too. In the next week, it's going to go from four payments down to three. So that means that price, in a sense, per payment is going to go up a little bit. So if you want the, the four payment plan, you need to buy it like this week. Do not delay. Go buy it right now and get your Lashcon tickets, I promise. If you're thinking about Lashcon, you need to go to Lashcon. If you need inspiration, Lashcon's for you. If you need friendships and connections and networking, this is for even if you're shy, guys, I promise you, you will walk away with connections and new friends. So definitely go to the link in our bio or our show notes and get your tickets today. We also have two other things. We just launched our lash allergy course. Very excited about that. This course is really one of a kind. No one else is teaching this stuff. And it's something that we've developed over the last like 15 years. We've worked with multiple doctors. We've talked to chemists and all this stuff. We're going to download this so that if you have clients who get the allergy, which we all do, we're going to teach you a protocol that you can you know, offer or work partner with a doctor and you can basically keep clients. You won't have to lose a client ever again to the last allergy. And if you've been listening to our podcast, you know it's about dexamethasone, but we're going to tell you a lot more than just kind of a cursory overview. We're going to give you the nuts and bolts, how you do it, the scripts, everything, Plus some new information that we just worked with another doctor who's a really nationally known doctor who really helps us break down exactly what contact dermatitis is so we're going to add that into the talk so it's going to be well worth it guys and it's only 59 bucks super super cheap trust me there are a lot of people charging a lot more and giving you a lot less than we are this class is amazing or this webinar and it's going to be on october 16th at 5 p.m pacific standard time but the replay will be available to you for 60 days in case you can't make that time which i know not everyone's available mondays at 5 p.m pacific standard time last thing is we have i was it our lash retention and styling course that Tusney has put together we're going to be releasing two dates really soon. One in September, one in October. September will be in Vegas. October hopefully will be in Boston. Everything works out. So that's West Coast and East Coast. That will give you guys hopefully a chance to come and learn our technique, learn the way we style, and learn how you can get your clients to go longer, like four weeks between appointments with great looking lashes. And it works for both classic and pre-made fans. You can do volume too, but we will admit that's a little bit of a stretch. Really pre-made and classic it works best for. So if you if you want the more details on that just be following us on our instagram or get on our email list and we will be sending out those details very soon we are looking for a place though in december in the southern california area so if you guys and you listen you're in southern california please reach out to me at paw at and possibly you can be our host for december because we want to do one more this year that's nearby here in southern california Not a guarantee. So if you're hoping for that, you should sign up for Vegas and then hopefully if we announce the other date, you can maybe switch over. All right, guys, that's all I have for announcements. Now let's get into this episode or the second half of our episode where Alona sits down and shares with you what you need to do to start your own last brand. Now let's move to another area, which you kind of talked a little bit about, but finding about vendors and finding them. And how many vendors did you go through before you found the one you love for lashes? And, and how long did it take you for this process from start to the end?
1: I've been sampling lashes for like, probably like seven years, but I didn't even think honestly to like start a line before it was more like when I started training, all the brands that I would buy from were always out of stock of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to look for it for you. I had no intention of like starting a product line. So I'd say I probably sampled from like 15 to 20 different companies when we got really serious. That's where my estimate of three to 5k actually came for for lashes. Before that, I'm not really, really counting those because I wasn't looking for anything seriously. So I'd say probably 15 to 20. I knew exactly what I wanted. And I wanted somebody that was going to work with me and modify it to my standard to what I wanted. Them. Because you're always going to find the product that you want already available. So you have to find a manufacturer that's willing to work with you. And for that, you have to be willing to invest in minimum orders. So it's like a two-way street, but yeah, that's about how many we went through.
0: What was the time frame when you started really seriously looking? Was it like a year?
1: Probably about a year. Yeah. Something like that.
0: And did you go overseas at all? Or was this all done through mail and shipping back and forth?
1: No, no, no. I, have, I haven't actually gone. I was supposed to meet everybody this year, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, plans yeah. Change. yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So and that was just for lashes and then you go through every other product, right? I mean, you, that's just one of many products that you had to go through this process. Yeah, exactly. As far as other stuff, cause there's, you know, we talked about all these other people that you have part of your team, whether it's accountants, bookkeepers, graphic designers, where do you find these people? I mean, I know there's places like, you know, Fiverr, Upwork and that like that and so forth is that the type of stuff that you've used or did you get recommendations
1: we have found a lot of people through fiverr and upwork my advice is not to settle for the first person you find or that works in your city or the first person that finds you or going with somebody who's branded somebody else in the industry even if somebody tells you who branded them like do not go with them do your homework like look online. I'm not saying that somebody in your city is not good, but I'm just saying sometimes that person that you need is not going to be in your city. It's always nice to be able to, you know, do face to face, but it's not always possible. So we find a lot of people that way. And worse yet, again, I don't want to offend anybody, but finding people in the actual lash industry to do your branding. I'm not saying that they're not good, but getting inspiration or having people that that are already like fully immersed in the industry um, to give you a recommendation on manufacturing, on design, a lot of times like if you want something original, you have to do the homework, you have to do the research, you have to reach outside of that. Like everything that we do with Revel, from branding to everything, the inspo comes from outside the industry. And then once you find that person that you think you want to work with. You have to vet them. You have to interview them like we you're essentially hiring them. So we interview them. We get on a call with all of them. We we have a list of questions. We have we ask them to show us what their timetables look at, like how often they're going to be touching base with us, like all of those things. Like we are very thorough and we weren't like that in the beginning. That's where a lot of the expensive mistakes happened. And then, like I said, negotiating pricing, not jumping into huge projects with these freelancers. I always tell people that in class, start with something small, even if they really don't want to, they try to sell you on the $8,000, $9,000 branding package. Start with something small, see how you work together. Even if they have amazing, amazing case studies on their website, beautiful past work, it does not mean that they're going to work for you. Trust me, do your homework, start small and then build through it. Same with, same with manufacturers. Get the minimum order quantity negotiate it, and do that multiple times before you get into customization, large orders, because you're going to be in for a really bad surprise. A lot, a lot of people that are that are in products that are listening to this, they're like, yep, you get like a thousand trays or whatever. And and everything's perfect. It's exactly the way you want it. Then you send them 40, 50, $80,000 and it arrives and it's nothing like because it's outsource. The rest of the manufacturing, whatever, make sure you're not dealing with like a middleman also because they're outsourcing the work. So how would you do that? How would you make sure you're not dealing with
0: the middleman? Is there like signs that you could, that are red flags that would point that out?
1: Well, like I said, like if they're willing to work with you to customize, if they're, if they're able to um, like customize a lot of the packaging, that's a good sign that they're probably, you know, doing it themselves and, and multiple rounds, like I said, of samples, Mm -hmm. the bigger the orders get, you'll start seeing, like you can literally see sometimes it's produced by two different (laughs) people, materials. Like there's, there's been a, a lot of really bad surprises. And like I said, have a realistic budget when it comes to all of these resources. Don't just shop on a budget because you're going to end up spending double. Mm-hmm. That's my my best advice for that.
0: People don't realize that when you try to cut corners, you actually usually just spend more money. It's just it, there's just nothing to be good about trying to cut corners. I know every time we have, it's never been right the first time. I have like,
2: a saying for that. It, it is not worth it to pay less. Sometimes <laughs> it is not worth
0: it. To pay- yeah it really isn't as much as i know people want to and if you're new and you're afraid also another thing too i've heard this a thousand times from other friends in the manufacturing world like they get the samples right and they're all great and then they make that big order and they open up the box and the top is beautiful like oh these are great and then they just remove the first couple of rows and then all of a sudden the product like is horrible and it gets worse the deeper you go into the box so it's like they're not always honest. And that's why it's hard to, I think, find a good manufacturer.
1: There's very little integrity from overseas manufacturers, unfortunately. Yeah. They do and say whatever they need to to sell you stuff very often. It's very unfortunate, but you have to be very careful. Like, don't be too trusting because, you, yeah, you're going to be in for some bad surprises. You have to take your time. You rush it. You, like, announce to everybody, I'm going to have a brand three months from now. Watch me go. And now you're under pressure to, Take your time. Keep your mouth shut. Don't tell anybody what you're doing. Do your homework. Do your research. Invest what you have to invest. And when it's ready and when it's time, you will tell the world about it and it'll be great.
0: Exactly. That's how we did with our business. We used to tell our team like, hey, we're going to do this new thing, but we're not ready yet for it. And then the team would like three months later, like what happened to that thing you talked about? And like, oh yeah, we never got it done. Sorry. And we just lost trust. People just started like, well, I guess Paul doesn't deliver. And later on we learned that we'd have to, Everything ready. I mean, this is salon stuff, but everything ready to implement. And then we would tell the team and then we would launch it. And all of a sudden things went so much better. And you're right. I think this idea of, I've seen it. I've seen people come out. I'm bringing a product line. And then it's like, I saw friends say, I'm writing a book or whatever. And like a year later, like crickets, nothing. And it says, I'm sure they feel like failures too then. And it's heartbreaking.
1: Adds uh, really unnecessary pressure. I know you get so excited. Like I made that mistake before and I do not make that mistake anymore. I don't announce anything until I literally have it in my hand or like have a tracking number when I know exactly (laughs) when it's arriving. Like we've projected things like oh, we're gonna launch this five months from now. Two years later, we still don't have it. Aka our cleanser that's almost done, like two and a half years later. Oh my gosh. Yeah, just just work in silence and
0: Yeah. A lot of patience, being patient. And it sounds like this is not a game for those who want things quick. I know that we were talking about people. Well, someone's going to launch their own product line. We talked about, you want to give some advice to some people on this. I know this whole thing's been about that, but maybe where should someone start? Like if they want to launch their, maybe a product line, is it best to start with 18 products or are, could they maybe start with one or two or, cause I've heard some people trying to that approach. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that.
1: So again, like I said, My advice is do not launch an entire line in one shot. Don't do it. It's costly. You're going to spread your resources thin. Think think about all the things that I said, how much each product costs to sample, to package, to minimum order, whatever. You're going to spread your resources thin. And most likely what will happen very quickly is you're going to be sitting on a ton of inventory you can't even sell because nobody knows you yet. And you've run out of all your resources because you spent it all on 18 products. So my advice, there's, there's two options the way that I see it. One option is prioritizing the products by launching the most profitable products first. Mm-hmm. So you're making money. And for that, you need to know your profit margins. You know, know the math behind it. You need to understand all of those things. So that's one option. The other option is releasing your most innovative product first. Start drawing an artist and building a name for yourself and a reputation, which we've seen a lot of people do. They've been built their name on one accessory, like one thing, and then they grow from there. Those are the two options I see for launching, um, unless you put me in money, like I said. The most innovative product is obviously going to be the most costly one because there's so much customization to it. But if you feel like you need like this edge to get your name out there, that's a really good option.
0: Yeah. No, I've seen that happen. There's one company I'm thinking right now. They came with something very unique yeah. and it took off and it, it's done really well. So much that they, again, like many companies, having a hard time keeping their inventory. <laughs> because-
1: plus, you build a name, you build a reputation, yeah. and then you move from there. If you try to do it all at once, it never works out in your favor. Either short-term or long-term, whatever, it'll backfire. So it's better to pace yourself and mm-hmm. do one step at a time.
0: Yeah, and that also may mean you won't need quite maybe 90000 to get started. You could at least have a little bit less money, invest in just a couple products. And I think the branding and the image and the website, you don't want to go cheap on that, but at least you don't have to maybe spend as much money on all the products to get started. What for you, what do you feel like has been one of the keys to the success of Revelation?
1: Aside from all the obvious stuff that people talk about a lot, outside of those obvious things, I would say learning effective time management as we grew the brand was a big part of it. I'll elaborate on it in a second. And the other thing would be building and maintaining a strong reputation. That's one of the biggest keys of success for revelation. And I'll I'll elaborate on that too. But I think those are two really important things. I think like the most valuable resource in any business is time. And it's it's limited. So you can't increase the hours, <laughs> the hours in your day. So the way you can exploit that time properly is by investing in systems outsourcing, hiring help, and understanding how to manage your schedule, how to manage your time, how to not put too much on your plate so that you're able to manage those things. And that way you'll get the most, like the maximum potential out of that time and of growing your business. So it's something that I've struggled with significantly, like personally as revelation grew. And by talking to others, I know it's a common occurrence, you know, like we talk about burnout and all that stuff. There's ways around it, it's just people choose to put too much on their plate. Like I said, like taking on too much at once, trying to go from the first floor to the tenth one one shot. That that's what happens. Yeah. So ignoring like red flags of burnouts, you know, like thinking it's like a badge of honor, oh, I'm burnt out. I don't have time to shout, I don't have time to do this. Like I did that. I went through three really big burnouts and I had to I had to get help for it. And I, you know, it might be like embarrassing to talk about, but I talk about it because I want other people to avoid it. I had to get a lot of help to get through that it was one of the darkest times of my life. I still worked and pushed through it, but you can't ignore those signs because mm-hmm. it could be the beginning of the end of your business. If you go, your business goes with you. Yeah. So, and unfortunately I've observed that be the end for a lot of people in the industry and people like they're on their way, they're up and coming. And then all of a sudden they fall off the grid. They disappear because they took on too much. They took on too much.
0: Yeah. You see it all the time. We've been in this industry for 16 years. And it's sad. All of a sudden, just someone that was making noise and being a big deal, all of a sudden, just boom, gone.
2: There was a time that we were in it. It was like the first time that we had our first walkout. I was taking on, you know, working seven days a week, you know, like the eight clients a day or more.
0: I was on- Six in the morning to like midnight. I was
2: on prescription pain medicine every single day. And it was like getting to be a problem. And I finally got to a place where I had a breakdown.
0: About three months, right? Yeah. She just stayed I, home. Th- I mean, I, the only yeah. reason
2: why we succeeded was because Paul was here to carry the torch on, but it was I like, didn't do lashes though. <laughs> no, but he kept the company going. I but kept I, the company I going. I was yeah. like worthless. Yeah. I needed to recover. I mean, I got to a place that was so bad that there wasn't any like recovering from it unless I took time off.
1: Yeah. So I know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I stopped being a person. I did not exist. It was I was revelation and I was a machine. And that was a very, very difficult time. I just can say that in the last year, I've actually gotten better to a point where I could actually speak on it and like give other people advice about it because I never thought I would be better. Mm -hmm. But I kept pushing through it. So if you want to grow, you want to scale instead of just trying to survive, like you have to put those practices into place. And if you try to do it all yourself without any breaks, without any balance... It's a formula for disaster, for stagnation, for failure. And I spoke a lot about this on uh, my presentation at Lash Boss yeah, Conference. I to say, I
0: remember all this.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to repeat myself too much, but I do want to talk about general things that are worth like entertaining yeah. for better managing your time. And one of them is is outsourcing. Outsourcing isn't just about taking the guesswork, like we said, out of all the all the things that you have no expertise in essential aspects of your business it's also about understanding and playing to your strengths what you do and don't know how to do you don't need to learn how to do everything bts of your business yeah not that shouldn't be a goal of yours you don't need to do that you have to know your strengths know your weaknesses and know where your energy is best spent if there's things about the business that you absolutely hate doing it can't be everything because you're you're, you know you're the ceo you know but if there's things that you just cannot learn how to do it kills you it drains your energy it kills your creativity you have to find somebody to do it for you can't just be like oh well, i'm just not going to do it i'm just not going to do the bookkeeping because it's boring and whatever yeah well that's one of um one of my biggest mistakes and again things that i've observed from other people um even like people very well known in the industry they have a hard time like relinquishing that control and it usually leads to burnout or stagnation they just do not grow so knowing how to outsource when to outsource and learning to relinquish some of that control it'll save you time it's going to allow you to grow way faster yes you're going to be spending some of that money but it'll end up end up costing you a lot more if if you don't and probably um like like i said your mental health will probably suffer from that too so yeah. Yeah, if you try to like hold on to every single penny that you make, you don't want to spend any of it on any type of help. It's a recipe for disaster. So like I said, I spoke a lot about it at the conference, but getting help whether it's at home or with the business. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this in the, in the last presentation, if you're working and doing eight clients a day, maybe have meals delivered. Don't don't skip your meals or try to like cook at freaking one in the morning, like have meals delivered. Mm-hmm. Have your groceries delivered. If you have kids, mm-hmm. maybe get a tutor, do the homework with them. You're still making more per hour than you're paying that tutor. So, so do that. I always say it's like literally having a cleaning lady, whether yeah. it's, to clean your office your studio or to clean your house like that took me so so long to figure out I'm like when I finally realized oh my god I just took like five hours of work out of my week like Mm my hour is worth a lot more than what I'm paying that person. So it's a very simple calculation. And then at work, like I said, somebody to clean, somebody to do the photography for you. Some people like try to master a professional camera while they're flashing full time and then then learn how to be a professional photo editor. Like why? You don't have to do that. Go on Fiverr, go on Upwork, find a retoucher in another country like Mexico, Pakistan, Ukraine. They charge like ten dollars a picture tops, maybe even five. They're not any less qualified than somebody here, but their, their prices are much lower because of where they are in the world. People for SEO, people for advertising, packaging designers, you don't have to learn how to do that yourself. There's people that study that. They do that for a living. All the admin work, the bookkeeping, websites, all the manual tasks, like all that stuff, get rid of that. And a lot of people also don't realize that they need an assistant. An assistant will take literally 40, 50 hours out of your week doing all these tasks that suck up your time that prevent you from growing. So some people realize it, but they're at that point, whether it's part-time, whether it's virtual, whether it's full-time in-house, whatever it is. I also waited way too long to get an assistant. And that literally changed my life. And then when we got an office manager, my life was transformed forever. Thank you, Amelia, if you're listening. <laughs> By the
0: way, I want to take your analogy real quick, what you're saying about going up the stairs in a building imagine trying like you have like a 200 pound backpack and you're going to do this all by yourself and you're going to carry that backpack every step of the way, all the way to the top because you're just going to save all that energy and money just so you can do it. Or gonna- you can take that backpack and bring three other people along, hand out all the supplies and you yeah. together as a team walk up, you're going to get up there much faster and quicker. Yes, it's going to get cost more, but also you're going to get there faster, which means you'll make more even now. So I I think that's a, it's a great approach. We've struggled with that. Oh, we just got to hold on. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunately
1: you snap out of it before it basically kills all the work that you've put into it so far. And unfortunately for a lot of people in the industry that that doesn't happen. Um, And they think that they're a failure, that they're not as, you know, as, as driven as somebody else. It's, it's not the case. It's really just other people have caught on to exactly what I just said sooner rather than later. So that was, I think a big part of the success for revelation, like I think it would have fallen apart had I not come to that, that realization about, I'd say a year ago. And then the other thing, like I said, reputation, keeping your business reputable is a prerequisite for success. Mm -hmm. Um, The integrity of your product, customer service, and the motives behind your brand to create a sustainable demand as well. We're in a very niche industry, bad news travels very fast faster than we'd like it faster than good news so if you piss off 10 20 customers or even 10 students give a bad feedback about you Mm -hmm. it's game over it's very hard to come back from that so all the work put in all the money all of that all it takes is a few bad interactions with your customer and all of that just went down the drain and we've witnessed that i've been in the industry for 12 years i've bought from pretty much every brand i can list which i'm not going to do but i can list you which ones had terrible customer experience which ones had great ones and even if the product was a little bit worse the ones that had great customer service that were reliable are always yeah. the ones that, that that's I a win. Yeah. Um, customer experience can be the deciding factor between repeat business. The hardest thing you'll do in this industry is gain a client. And the easiest thing to do is lose one. So yeah. that's a very important part of it. And that's why I said one product at a time, this is not a boutique industry. You're not selling apparel. Um, you have to be reliable. And like, people always ask us like, when are you going to have this? When are you going to have that? And my answer is always like when it's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anything you do release can affect your reputation so we don't rush any of that yes our line isn't complete we have a good amount of it's almost complete but we're not rushing into releasing anything else i've stopped buying from brands i used to spend uh before we started the line and i was training i'd spend four to eight thousand dollars on product for training for kids
0: wow
1: i used to do five trainings a month about 50 to 60 students a month internationally and i I had to stop buying from them. They were just constantly out of stock. So it's really, I think that's what really pushed me to start the brand because I had so many students. I was training hundreds of people a year. Like I've trained over 700 people now. I couldn't rely on on any one company. So I'm like, let me find somebody who is reliable. Let me find a product that's always available. It was really important for me when we launched it to try to minimize that from ever happening. COVID's gotten in the way of that for sure. There's things that are unpredictable. And you out of your control, but there's many things that are within your control. And that's a very important part of it. And like you said, you know, announcing things too early, like that all affects your reputation. Eventually, will be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You're releasing this. Yeah. Okay. You sure. know,
0: you've done that before I'm not
1: listening to you anymore. So, you know, build high, build anticipation, but my advice is keep your mouth shut and focus on best customer service. Like go above and beyond for your customers as much as you can.
0: Yeah. I say in business, we're always exchanging trust. Trust is really the currency that you are working with when you're dealing with customers or with your staff or anything. It's always trust. And once that trust is gone, your business is done. You can't regain trust where you've violated people, whether it's your own staff or with your clients, right? If you're just building a small business and you have clients a and sudden, and we used to have a say in our salon, you're only good as your last set of lashes. Because you know someone yeah. will burn you in a heartbeat if you don't deliver and you screw up their lashes or do something bad, you're done. And the same I think with the same pride thing with products. If you have a company and you have your product line and you're all excited and then you launch and then three months later you're empty of everything and takes two months to get product back. that's gonna be really hard to recover from. So I think yeah, it's
1: very hard to recover from. yeah, once you piss a, a certain amount of people off, it's very hard to come back from that. So.
0: Exactly. And that's why I think I've seen some brands that were like 15 years ago, big deal, but now you barely ever hear of them. And then in fact, there's some that I'm like, Oh, they're still in business. I didn't know that.
1: (laughs) It's like a lot of ego comes into this conversation. Oh, I have to have 15 products in my line. No, have two and make them perfect. And then Mm -hmm. you'll have a few years from now, take it easy, pace yourself. So yeah. yeah,
0: that's great. Now that actually what you just said leads to my next question. I was going to talk about, did you have a game plan when you first got started Or did you just kind of wing it or was it something where the game plan evolved as you started getting some experience, life
1: experience and learning from mistakes? The game plan evolved as we went through it. But the short answer to this, like metaphorically speaking, is study for the exam. Don't walk into it unprepared thinking you're going to ace it. Hmm. That's the short answer. But I think at this point and from knowing me, I'm sure that you've realized that I don't do much in my (laughs) professional life without a game plan. Yeah. I don't go into anything blindly when it comes to business. I take it all very seriously. And yes, many people in the industry have winged it and they talk about how they winged it, whether it's by choice or because they didn't know where to start. I didn't know where to start either. It's not like I came into this with like a full education on running a business. I had no experience, but that's not my approach. My approach is always calculated in order to avoid putting myself at a disadvantage with unnecessary, foolish risk. There's already so much risk in running a business. There's so much money that you're going to lose. I don't want to put myself at an added risk of foolish mistakes. I don't mean that we don't take risks. We've taken on significant risks throughout many junctures yeah. of, of building the business, but not before doing our homework. And the bigger the risk, the more homework we do. So the more time it takes. I like making educated decisions. So right. like I said, mistakes will happen whether you're prepared or not. And when they happen, it's very discouraging, very hard to move past, and it can drain a lot of your resources. Like, like I said, we made a lot of mistakes. We've been frauded by manufacturers. We've paid a lot of design people tens of thousands of dollars down the drain. Another example: training overseas. We had to cancel like three courses in in Australia because we didn't know what it entailed. Training overseas, we had to cancel and lose fifty thousand dollars. Like, I woke up one morning and. My boyfriend was like, "We lost fifty grand today." Like, and for some uh, people, it can be like, the end. Like, yeah. and I was depressed. I cried for like two entire days. But then you gotta like pick yourself back up and keep going and use that lesson and not repeat it again. So definitely don't recommend winging it and exposing yourself to to added risk.
0: Yeah, I mean that's. I hope that's one of the reasons why you're listening today to this podcast. You're realizing, I think. I've seen, even talking to you, even more things I'm learning about the whole manufacturing process. And hopefully if you're thinking about that, taking notes, go back, listen to this again. You're going to see, there's a lot of areas that you need to go do some more work. And even now, this is just a surface level, right? We're just kind of like glancing over the top, just giving you the big picture. Then you're going to do, go out and actually do the dirty work. And that's really what I, I think most people listening, and this is where the real sad thing is for me, because I know this is true about a lot of stuff we teach. Most of you probably aren't going to do it. You're going to maybe try and this is the hard thing. you got to really can be committed. And that's one of the things I'm really amazed, just listening to your story, Alona, is that you had the grit, you had the determination that you're going to see this through no matter what. And I think that's the type of thing that you got to keep checking with yourself before you get into this. Do you really have that? Do you really want it that bad? Because if not, you're just going to kind of have acid.
2: There's a proverb that says, before going to war, you need to meet with your counselors, your advisors, and find out, do you have the means to wage this war or this battle? You're not saying I'm not going to make mistakes, but it's like when it comes to something so big, like a battle, you're going to make everything. You're going to check with your advisors, make sure that you're not falling into some terrible pitfall that's just going to wipe out your entire army.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can relate to it, like going to war. <laughs> No,
0: it really is. Or I, I like to think of it as like a game a lot of times. So that way it's more fun, but I'm playing a big game. I mean, I'm a big board gamer. So or video game guy too. So for me, it's like, it's all about tactics. It's all about strategy. It's all about thinking through the end game. How am I going to get to where I want to be and thinking the whole process and not just desiring to win one day. Cause I know when I worked in Hollywood, how many people did I run into? Like, I want to be a movie director. I want to be an actor. I want to be a writer. And then you're like, well, what are you doing? And they're like, uh, what do you mean? I'm like, well, are you writing? Are you, if you're an actor, are you acting in local theater stuff? Are you doing stuff? Are you doing student films or if you're writing how many scripts have you written? Oh, I haven't written it. They're all in my mind. Like you're not a writer then you know, you're just, you're more in love with the idea of being an entrepreneur idea of being an actor idea of owning your own business, but you don't really know the cost it's going to take and how much you're going to have to sacrifice and how much you're going to have to work and hustle and, and all that in this whole process.
1: And and what you said, like it being a game, once you learn the rules, it does become like a game because now you understand the fundamentals behind it. And now like, oh my God, like every time we would send out any money, like our first big purchase of inventory like it was like 50 grand we were both shaking and like (laughs) crying like about to press the button like I I didn't sleep for days like I can eat now you learn how to handle that stress Mm -hmm. it really becomes like a game when you know the rules and the fundamentals behind it It, I always say it in like the last presentation that I did too but it's like a muscle like the Mm -hmm. more you use it the 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 stronger it gets so how you handle stress and risk and all of that so Mm -hmm.
0: Um, one other thing I want to talk about real quick is about integrity and how I think this is really one of the keys to, you know, obviously having a good business really, I guess, like you said, reputation and all that. What are some temptations that you've seen businesses face or maybe you face that really threatened your integrity?
1: There's a lot. I'd say the temptations are, well, like we said, taking shortcuts, very tempting, jumping on bandwagons that everybody else is jumping on.
0: Like a product, like everyone gets a new product or something like you feel
1: a product, a trend, a topic, a drama, anything in the industry. I steer far, far away from any bandwagon until I've had the time to analyze it for myself. Like I just don't. Jump on any hypes whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It's tempting because you want to be like in with everybody and like, you know, agree with everybody. But I stray away from that. Not that I am always disagreeing with everybody, but I try to research it and know what it's about before I jump on
0: it. You're more methodical. I can see you're just very detailed. You're going to weigh the pros and the cons. You're not just going to just, I'm kind of like a cheerleader type. So I see something really (laughs) shiny. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really exciting. And sometimes that gets me into trouble because I'm not like, wait, I need to pause, think about it before I jump on in.
1: Yeah. Other traps, comparison, you'll never win at that. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but you just do not do that. Just stay away from that. Hand in hand with that goes like unhealthy competition, which goes hand in hand with like undercutting, which I can elaborate on if we get there, but (laughs) undercutting, false advertising, like making stuff up, (laughs) hype. Another thing that's unfortunately somehow tempting and it's just like denigrate others put mm-hmm. other others down their courses down i mean it's happened to us so many times like on podcasts people have said my name and talked about our course or something that we're doing that mm-hmm. wasn't you know up to their standard to make themselves somehow feel better like stay away from that that does not make you ever look better ever mm-hmm. and then i guess like the last thing be like just prioritizing profit over quality or compromising on mm-hmm. quality for a big buck all of those are i think temptations
0: I mean that's one of the things I remember even talking to you about when you ta- started sharing about your glue, when you guys were launching your glue, I remember you really talking about the amount of time you put into it, that you weren't going to cut corners, that you, it cost you a lot more to develop your glue than the, you knew other brands had done because you really wanted the best. You wanted to have a, the highest value, but the temptation I'm sure would be like, you could have gone with a cheaper process you could have found a lower grade and price, still charge as much because i think your brand just naturally looks like a, a high-end brand so you could there's ways of doing that so i give you props because i know when you started sharing a little bit just like a year or two ago i was like wow you went all out with the glue
1: and <laughs> the pudding because like we literally built our name on our first adhesive omnia it was our first product we built our entire reputation on it We sold that for about a year before we even have a website. Like people would Venmo me and send me messages on WhatsApp. And I would forward to my boyfriend, he would by hand write the labels. We did a thousand orders before even having a website ever Mm. with that one product. And the only reason I had that product is because I needed it for trainings. I can rely on the other brands or whatever. The adhesive wasn't like up to the standard that I imagined in my head. So we created that adhesive just to have it for kids basically. Yeah. And then all the students after class, when they'd run out of the bottle of their kid, they'd message me like, Hey, is there any way I could get another one? <laughs> and I was no like we don't sell you my boyfriend's like are you crazy like people are asking for it like just order more like let's let's sell them like but we have to order so many bottles like what if we don't go through them whatever he's like well let's let's try it like he definitely pushed me to take that step and then they would tell their friends and post about on instagram and their friends would be dming us and whatsapping us we did over a thousand orders like that by manually writing labels before we (laughs) I printer even so
0: yeah. There you go. That's great. That's very inspirational. I think that lets people know sometimes you you get down and dirty while, as you're kind of launching your product. It doesn't have to be the always the perfect presentation right at the get go. Sometimes it just naturally builds from what you're already doing. That's really cool. If you could go back and tell yourself, meet yourself. Well, I guess you said four years. Let's say go back five, six years ago, and say, Alona, you're gonna have this really cool brand, but I need to tell you some things before you get into this. What would you tell yourself?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> but
0: keep it with an hour.
1: <laughs> the mission) <laughs> But I would tell myself to pace myself. I literally made myself sick, very, very sick, by trying to move faster than was healthy and sustainable. We talk about balance, but we don't talk about gradual growth, which is almost more important, and the wisdom that you acquire through every step, you have to take time to take it in, absorb it, and then apply it to the next level, Mm -hmm. next milestone. So that would be the number one thing I would tell myself, chill. I was in a marathon at all times when there was no actual finish line. Like I also often talk about that. There's no actual finish line. You're never going to be like, I've arrived, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always going to be more and, and new and new products and growing and scaling and hiring and all of that. There's no final destination, not in this business model anyways so peace yourself take the time that it takes and stop comparing your your level one to somebody's level six seven or ten stop trying to jump from like we said one to ten in one leap Mm -hmm. you never win that way you will fail that way so you have to trust the natural progression and the process of it yeah Mm -hmm. That would be my advice.
0: And you'll enjoy the ride a little bit that way, too. If you're not comparing, you can actually enjoy the process of growing a brand, maybe slowly, but over time and doing something very special. I
1: enjoy it so much more now, you know, it's more healthy now. And I'm more realistic with my timelines. I actually know, again, this is something, wisdom that I've acquired over time. I actually know what's doable and feasible in X amount of time. And I know when I start packing on too much on my plate. And that's why often like I'll say no to a lot of things, a lot of opportunities because I know what time that's going to entail. I say notice like launching certain products, doing like doing certain things, whatever. And it's, it's been a lot better and a lot more enjoyable. And our business has never been healthier since we started. Awesome. That's
0: great. I think some people realize that also that you know I'm gonna guess some people are like, well, man, if I do this, I'll make let's say three hundred thousand profit, and I get to keep all that money. And like, know what? You're gonna be miserable with that three hundred thousand dollars of profit. What if you hired someone and paid them fifty thousand dollars to lighten the load? You make a little less money, and your joy goes up. (laughs) People, I think, just don't think that way. They're always like, oh, it's just about the money. And I think when your focus is on that, you're you're really gonna sabotage yourself and burn out.
1: What's the point of making I don't know two hundred thousand dollars a year if you're lashing like like crazy like I was that's pretty much what I was making. What's the point of that? I had no quality life. of life yeah. at all. Like, what's the point of that? Why not make one fifty and pay somebody mm-hmm. to do the rest so you actually have a life like to enjoy and mm-hmm. make that money with you when you go so yeah. like, you gotta try to enjoy the the journey because, like I said, there's no final destination yeah. So,
0: No, this is one of those buildings that's endless, which is, you know, it's, you think it's a hundred stories and you find out that it's 5,000 stories. You'll never get through it. So let's just keep going.
1: What the hell?
0: (laughs) Well, is there anything else? Cause I know we covered a lot, but I don't know if I, if I hit everything I know that we kind of talked about. Otherwise, you know, we, I know I want to have you back again. We can talk breakdown. I think training, like we talked about and I think we talked about having you interview us
1: more about salons, but uh, anything else that you want to hit on? I think there's one thing that we talked about earlier, which I said I would try to elaborate on, um, kind of like what, what you make versus what you spend in your business. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because once you have all of that, once you have all your products and now you're making all this money, that's also not the final destination. Now you got to reinvest and scale. Mm-hmm. So I want to emphasize it because, again, your business's revenue and your salary are two completely different things. Your business account is not your personal piggy bank. If you ever expect a scale, that is, yeah, you, you can't see it that way. Mm-hmm. So your business is like a living thing. Like if you don't feed it by reinvesting in it, it's not going to grow. So you have to have faith in the longevity of your business. And like, I, like we said before, you know, keep your salary low, um, the luxury things, you know, the Rolex, the nice car, all that stuff, you'll have it. But later you make your two, $300,000 a year that's not the time to go and buy all of these like fancy things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let your money keep working for you invested in like R and D expanding your, your base of operations, increasing inventory, improving your systems, marketing, hiring staff, all of that stuff. What you shouldn't be doing is like making that first, you know, whatever amount and going to buy those things and then flashing it on Instagram, trying to draw in customers by showing off like all the nice stuff that you have That's not attractive to anybody. You should begin your business and throughout your whole business, have a very deep sense of responsibility and empathy towards your customer and focus on improving their professional lives, their profitability, instead of being flashy and just focusing all of that, all those resources in the wrong place. So that's something that I wanted to add. Good advice. Mm. Yeah,
0: because that's what Instagram is for. I call it the envy machine. It is. People feel like they need to go on and show how amazing they are and create this persona. I mean, I remember when we first moved to LA, we, this 25 years ago, we managed an apartment building there's this gal that was in our building who had this persona of a movie star. In fact, she even, she set, was an actress. She was an actress. And she even said some pictures on billboards were her. And we found out later they weren't, but everything about her was fake, everything. <laughs> and we've eventually, I remember one day, cause we were managers. I went into her apartment. Now she had the nicest car. She had the nicest clothes. And I went to her apartment And there was nothing in it practically. She had a bed. She couldn't afford anything. And I also figured out she probably was completely... All her credit cards were maxed out. And it was a disaster. And it was just this big fake. And I think that's a problem we feel in Instagram. We, We feel like we need to put on that stage. And if you're making some money and your business is growing. Like you said, I've known some business owners that are well known now that their first two years, they didn't take any money out of their new company. Like they were doing lashes on the side. That's what paid the bills and their company. Every dollar they went from that company went back to buy more inventory, more product, more advertising, better branding, better everything. And it took them two years before they even paid a dime out of the company for themselves. So it's uh, something that I think that's easy for people to not realize.
1: Company makes like 2 million. Yeah. I can pay myself a million a year
0: yeah.
1: but your company will never grow past that point you're just yeah. always going to stay in that place you have to reinvest the first two three years forget about f- flashy like that wolf of wall street like lifestyle it has, it has an expiration date like you run through that money real quick mm-hmm. and uh, louis vuitton bags and rolexes don't don't buy inventory so <laughs>
0: <laughs> or if i have to rate you bottom at they may so
1: yeah. yeah yeah you'll have that stuff but later yeah. um Part of, It's part of the, the process, part of the, the discipline you have to develop and one of the temptations to stay away from as well.
0: Yeah, I think having discipline, a lot of people don't realize just like anything like eating, working out, business discipline is something that so many people don't really
2: have. And the key to that one, the one that you just mentioned, is, is the not envying. It's not looking at other people and saying that's – you're judging your, your insides based upon other people's outsides. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know if it's real or not. So you have to have the discipline to remember that that's not real life. Yeah. And don't judge yourself by that. Don't set yourself up by somebody else's standard.
0: Yeah. Well, uh,
2: and if,
1: even if it is real life, that person went through all the things we just talked about to get there. And we're not talking about like you – know, girls with sugar daddies and all that stuff we're talking about like real that are self-made whoever you're looking at and you know for a fact that they're self-made they went through all of that struggle to get there so you're at ground zero you're you're at ground level they're they're at level 10 so don't that's very discouraging to do that and it's very tempting so yeah definitely definitely try to not focus energy on that either
0: yeah, absolutely. This was great. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to the tonight to just sit down and just bear all and this. information. bless
2: our audience. You've given us so much wisdom alone. yeah,
0: this has been amazing, and we'll definitely have to have you come back. Where can people find you? what I I guess people might know already, but where can they find you?
1: The business is at Revelation, and uh, my personal page is at Elo Sparks. So if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can check me out there. And for the business is Revelation and uh, our website is revelation.com. Cool. And uh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you too. Yeah. All. And I hope that we get around to doing the um, education and salon series. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We'll just, we'll just keep
0: adding to this. We'll bring you back, do that. Cause yeah. I really think the education is another one of those areas that people have no clue. How hard it is to launch a training program.
1: It's a simpler of a process, but there's still a, a very rigorous process to it. So I'd love the opportunity to speak on that as well.
0: Awesome. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Paul you.
0: That's a wrap, guys. That's all we have. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at lash Cast Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Nugget, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Alona, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.